Today on The Matt Walsh Show, the premiere of my film, What is a Woman?, is an enormous success. No thanks to the cyber attack meant to shut down the film. The left really does not want you to see this movie, and I'll explain why. Also, NASCAR again bends the knee to the woke mob. Amber Heard officially puts the last nail in the Me Too Kaufman. Uh, abusive parents explain how their two-year-old daughter chose her own gender. And in our daily cancellation, a trans activist explains why you are morally obligated to be sexually attracted to trans people. We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Finally, last night, almost exactly a year after we had our first uh, development meeting about the film, What is a Woman premiered on The Daily Wire. It was, by all measures, an enormous success. We gained more subscribers in a day than at any other point in the company's history. We had more people watching the film than we've ever had watching any piece of content all at once. Uh, The movie is, we could say for sure now, a, a massive hit. But we knew going in that we were wading into treacherous waters. Gender ideology lies deep down at the core of our society's dominant religion, which is leftism, it's expected that if you go near it, you know, if you dare approach the altar, that you do, you do so with reverence. Avert your eyes, keep your head bowed, uh, bow before the sacred cow, repeat the necessary incantations, and then, and then shuffle along, move on. That's how you're supposed to approach gender ideology. To do anything else, to approach this thing with anything less than dogmatic veneration is an act of unspeakable sacrilege. And to actually question it, to look into its face and challenge it directly is the ultimate blasphemy. And we all know what religious zealots do to blasphemers. That's what we were expecting here. So it was, in that sense, no surprise that the Daily Wire came under a sustained and seemingly quite sophisticated cyber attack during the premiere of the film As the film started to play, we were uh, flooded with messages and emails from members who were trying to watch, but were running into all sorts of strange glitches. And uh, even in spite of this, just on the strength of the people who could make it through and access the film, it was still a record-breaking premiere for The Daily Wire. But it became clear pretty quickly that something malicious was happening, and soon our tech team was able to verify. And um, from here, I'll read from The Daily Wire article about it, because I think the news team will do a better job of explaining the specifics about this than I will. So reading from The Daily Wire article, it says, The Daily Wire came under a sustained um, DDoS attack during the world premiere of What is a Woman that was intended to disrupt people being able to access the highly anticipated film. Quote, we've confirmed that uh, Daily Wire experienced a significant and sustained DDoS attack tonight meant to disrupt the world premiere of What is a Woman. Jeremy Boring said in a statement, a million requests per minute at the peak flooded our system and created challenges for many viewers. The attack began shortly after the start of the live stream of Daily Wire's backstage program which preceded the premiere and featured Daily Wire hosts discussing the making and meaning of the film. Many users encountered difficulty accessing the live stream due to the malicious event. A distributed denial of service DDoS attack is a type of coordinated malicious campaign that seeks to shut down a targeted server by flooding the server with extreme levels of traffic coming from bots. The extremely high levels of traffic use up the server's resources and prevent real users from being able to access it. So, in summary... Um, they don't want you to see this film. I mean, they really don't want you to see it. Meanwhile, on Twitter, there were trans activists um, tweeting out their fantasies about bashing me in the head with a baseball bat. There were other activists organizing a campaign to try and take over the What is a Woman hashtag. A hashtag which, by the way, has been suppressed by Twitter because every time it starts to trend, Twitter just pushes it back down. But the activists... um, tried to hijack it with various lies and insults and defamation directed at me. They were like openly organizing with each other, talking amongst each other, you know, on the social media platform about what sorts of slanderous things they could make up about me. And they were kind of, because this is what you can do if you're a trans activist on Twitter. You can be out in the open about, hey, we're going we're gonna to make up some, uh, we're going to defame this guy. What should we say about him? And you can have that conversation and you know, there's not going to be any consequence. Now, as I said, this is just the beginning. They hate this film, they're terrified of it, and uh, they hate me for making it. Now, granted, they already hated me before this, but now even more so. And why? I mean, anybody who saw the film, and if you haven't yet, you can go to the Daily Wire right now, become a member, and watch it on demand. It is available to be, to be seen right now. But anyone who uh, saw it knows that you know, I wasn't lying or joking when I said that all I do for the majority of the film is ask simple questions. I'm not going around screaming at people. There's a little bit of that, mostly at the Women's March, because that was just fun. But for the vast majority of the runtime, I'm sitting down with people, 
and asking them the simplest and seemingly easiest questions imaginable. Questions that supposed experts in these fields ought to be able to answer with ease. That's all I'm doing. And that's exactly why they don't want you to see this. It's the emperor has no clothes fable brought to life. Gender ideology lies at the core of leftism. But the core of gender ideology, the core of the core, is empty. It's hollow. There's nothing there. It's all smoke and mirrors and sleight of hand tricks. Everything they say is nonsense. It has no logical or intellectual anchor. It's this flimsy, frail little thing easily swatted away. It can be crushed under the weight of a question. Any question at all, in fact. That was one of the fascinating things about making this film is that, you know, I knew that what is a woman is going to be a stumper of a question for these people. But what I didn't quite realize is that um, leading up to that question, really any question at all is a stumper. Doesn't Any question, if it's asked with actual uh, sincere skepticism, is, is unanswerable to them. And this is what makes them so angry. I experienced this while filming the documentary. In fact, there, there were two emotions that came through in nearly every interaction that we had through the course of filming, and that is fear and anger. Two emotions that often come packaged together, right? And the fear mostly came from the average people on the street who you could tell, most of them knew the truth. They understood how ridiculous the claims made by trans activists are, but uh, they were petrified to talk about it, especially on camera, because they'd been coerced and cajoled and threatened into silence. The anger, meanwhile, and a good bit of fear too, came from the alleged experts, the academics, doctors, politicians, who stormed out of interviews, lashed out, made accusations, became extremely defensive the moment they realized that I was going to ask real questions. Not even hard questions, just questions, actual questions. They weren't expecting that because in their minds, the relationship between a a learned authority such as themselves and an uneducated flannel-clad bumpkin such as myself is supposed to be one of cult leader and disciple. They're supposed to make declarations and proclamations, and I'm supposed to sit in slack-jawed awe, nodding my head submissively, accepting without question everything that comes out of their mouths. The moment they realized that I wasn't going to play my part in that game, they became angry. And for example, here's a clip from the film that went viral last night, um, and uh, it's a perfect illustration. My interview with women's studies professor Patrick Grzanka, uh, and it, it went off the rails very quickly due to my insistence on interviewing the person who was sitting down for an interview. I mean, how dare I? You have to watch the whole exchange in the film, but here's just a piece. Watch this. Well, I'm not even talking about social context. I'm just, I'm just trying to start by getting to the truth, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm really uncomfortable with that language of, like, g- getting to the truth again. In social why, why life, is that, why is that uncomfortable? Because that it sounds actually deeply transphobic to me. Um, and the if truth? you and, and if you keep probing, we're going to stop the interview. I if I, I probe about what the truth is, you keep invoking the word truth, which is condescending and rude. I'm saying how to is, you, how is the word truth condescending and rude? Why don't you tell me what your truth is? And you're walking on thirty seconds more of the ice before I get up. And I explained to him right after that that I, it's, I don't have a truth. It's just like the truth. And that starts this whole exchange about what the truth is and everything. But um, I was being condescending and rude, he says. The good professor couldn't define the word woman, probably also couldn't define the word projection, though he certainly exhibited the latter throughout our interaction. Notice the remarkable contrast between the professor and his ilk, the gender ideology proponents, the people who invented this whole thing but don't want to talk about it. And those on the other side, the opponents, as opposed to the proponents, are incredibly open and eager to answer questions, eager to have the conversation. On one hand, you have uh, people curling up into the fetal position because I asked a question. On the other, you have Scott Nugent, who's the woman who transitioned to a man or transitioned to appear like a man, as she puts it herself in the film. I want you to listen to uh, Nugent talk about the dark reality of uh, gender transition. Listen. For the first time in history, a marginalized group has a huge dollar sign on the top of their head. We have five children's hospitals in the United States promoting that. 
What? That's a phalloplasty. That's a bottom surgery. We have five children's hospitals in the United States telling girls that they can be boys at $70,000 a pop in a surgery that has a 67% complication rate. That will kill me from infection that I can't sue on. We're butchering a generation of children because nobody's willing to talk about anything. I have three kids at the age that they're doing this to kids. I'm not transphobic. I love my kids and I love other people's kids and you should too. This is wrong on so many levels. So from uh, from Nugent, who is the true hero of the film, in my opinion, we get total openness and uh, honesty, raw, gut-wrenching honesty. From the other side, we get defensiveness, lies, accusations. One side wants us all to talk about this, right? Like, let's talk about this. The other side wants to talk, wants to be the one talking while we shut up. And they'll do anything they can to shut us up. But they will fail, and they already have. Because this film isn't going anywhere. It's on the site right now, available to be seen by anybody with a membership. And uh, if you don't have one, I ask you to go sign up. Nobody else is making films like this. This is the kind of content we can make and will make. We're willing to deal with whatever the consequences are. They're coming after the Daily Wire. They're coming after me personally. And I expect them on the latter thing to, to, to ramp that up. The good news is that it won't work. It can't work if we have your support. If we all kind of stick together, there's nothing they can do but scream and cry. If they try to escalate beyond that, if they try to, you know, let's say make good on those baseball bat to the head promises, then uh, we have other ways of dealing with that. And it will be dealt with, I assure you. But outside of physical violence, any other attack fails if we stay unified. Because that's, if, if you, if, if there's a united front and they're going to scream and cry and we just say, well, we don't care that you're screaming and crying. This is a conversation we're going to have whether you like it or not. If we say that, then that's it. They lose. So go to whatiswoman.com and get your membership. Um, our team is uh, you know, working around the clock to fight this cyber attack. Has, has, as far as I know, basically gotten it completely under control. Uh, if you do run into any glitches, just be patient. Stick with us. And remember that um, this, this fight, the fight against the, the sickening, toxic madness of gender ideology, it, it can be won. We can beat them. We can win. I really believe that. And, uh, and we have to. We have to win. Now let's get to our five headlines. Fear of out-of-control inflation is hammering the stock market. The S&P 500 is having its worst start to the year since World War II. So not only are your savings worth less, you now have less of it on top of it. Uh, now might be a good time then for you to diversify into gold, the most stable asset in the history of the world. And Birch Gold is the company I trust to help you convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold and silver. That's right. Not only will Birch Gold help you fortify your savings with precious metals, they'll help you do it in a tax-sheltered account. All you got to do is text Walsh to 989898 to get started. Amazon stock is down 37% in the first half of the year. Tesla's down 40%. Cryptos have been slammed. And many fear the hawkish moves by the Fed could stall the economy even more. So uh, what's your plan? Text Walsh to 989898. That's a plan. And get your free no-obligation info kit on gold from Birch Gold. They are the precious metals professionals. All you have to do again is text Walsh to 989898. That's 989898. And secure your savings now with Birch Gold. Well, as uh, Yahoo Sports reports, Texas Governor Greg Abbott waved the green flag ahead of the May 26th uh, NASCAR All-Star Race at Texas Motor Speedway. And that provoked anger from the left, um, who say that this is a terrible thing for NASCAR to do. And that seems to have precipitated this tweet, at least partially. I mean, I'm sure NASCAR was already going to have a fair bit of virtue signaling they did for for um, for, for Pride Month, but now they're taking it over the top. So they tweeted this, as we celebrate the LGBTQ plus community, we acknowledge that recent actions have not aligned with NASCAR's mission to be a welcoming sport for all. We remain steadfast in our commitment to create a more inclusive environment in our workplaces, at the racetrack, and in the stands. 
And then they've got the uh, happy pride and then the checkered flag there with rainbow colors. And then they also have, I mean, this is NASCAR. And it's not just that they're, that they're uh, you know, bending the knee to wokeness. They're going all the way here because they have the wokest pride flag of all. I mean, they're on the cutting edge. This, this pride flag here, this is the newest one. And every single year, they always add things to it. And it's, it's really kind of, uh, it's kind of interesting. And I think there's something, in a way, poetic about the fact that the, as, the, as, the, as LGBT activists um, get more and more aggressive and more demanding and narcissistic and more militant, the, the pride flag itself gets uglier and uglier. So it started as just kind of a, you know, sort of gaudy rainbow flag. And then from there, it just gets even uglier to the point now where, where this rainbow flag, it's got, you know, it's just like a, it's just, it looks like vomit. And you, you see the other interesting thing that happens with the rainbow flag is that each new identity group that gets added to the flag kind of fights for more than its fair share of the space on the flag. And so now you see, what's the most prominent thing you see on this flag that, NAS, that NASCAR has posted? Most prominent thing is the uh, is that purple circle right there, right? It's like the, the thing that your eyes immediately go to. And what does that mean? What is that supposed to represent? Well, as far as I'm aware, the uh, the circle represents intersex people. In fact, wait, let me look this up right now because I wouldn't I wouldn't want to wouldn't want to misgender the pride flag itself because that would be a terrible thing to do. Um, okay, yeah, okay, this is what I'm getting. The purple circle represents the wholeness of the intersex community, free from colors like blue and pink that are commonly seen as male and female, respectively. (laughs) Now, uh, and there's also this inverse correlation between the amount of space given on the pride flag and the size of the group that it's representing. Okay, intersex people, you're talking about this tiny, tiny sliver fraction of the population. Right there, front and center on the flag. And never mind the fact that, as we've gone over before, and we have to continue reviewing this, um, intersex people, and when we talk about intersex people, we're talking about people who suffer from birth defects. Even the term intersex, like everything else LGBT people say, is, is really kind of misleading. But intersex, we're talking about people who suffer from birth defects that uh, can sometimes make their genitalia look somewhat ambiguous. Doesn't mean they don't have a sex. It just means that Unlike 99.999% of the population, it's not as immediately physically obvious because of birth defects that they suffer from, genetic mutations. But what do they have to do with, with gay pride? Why are they? This is a medical condition. Why is that included in the LGBT club? Well, the answer is simply because they are useful to the LGBT club. And specifically the T, because there's this um, there's this kind of conflation that goes on between trans people and intersex people. And those are two completely separate categories; they have nothing to do with each other whatsoever. But they're useful, and so that's why, whether they like it or not, they've been dragged onto the flag. The LGBT is saying to the inter- intersex people who just are, are people who suffer from birth defects, you're going to be on this flag whether you like it or not. We're putting you on it because we can use you. We talk about the sleight of hand tricks. That's, that's, that is the game from LGBT activists. Everything they do is a sleight of hand trick. You know, um, in the film, one of the questions that I get all the time, and I, they, I was asked this on Dr. Phil as well. I mean, like, you get this question any time you try to engage on any of these issues, what's what's the, what's the um, the rejoinder from the left? It's always why do you care so much? Well, that's a sleight of hand trick because they start. I mean, they have a flag, they have pride parades, they have a pride month. They're running around constantly, waving their hands in the air, saying, "Look at us! Look at our sexuality! You should care about this, care about us." And then the moment that you say, "Okay, well, sure, I'll, let's talk about it." Then they say, well, why do you care so much? Because, you, But you just said we should care. Oh, no, no, no. But you, you want us to care in the way that you have assigned to us. And uh, it's the same thing they do with intersex. 
where they say, well, what about these intersex uh, people? The uh, sex is, uh, is more difficult to determine. And so that proves that, that, uh, that this trans person's claims are valid. Wait, what? What does that have to do with anything? You know, a, a quote, trans woman is a biological male who says that he's a woman. Whatever we say about intersex people, how do they in any way lend validity to what this, what the trans person is saying? Yet another sleight of hand trick. Um, and that's, uh, I guess, a little bit of a digression. I mean, the main point is that this is, this is NASCAR putting this out there as uh, every single corporation, every company bends the knee. And then what the public has to decide is whether they're going to continue supporting these kinds of companies. I mean, how many? I'm not saying that there are no LGBT people who are fans of uh, NASCAR. But how big is that portion of the audience, I wonder? Probably pretty small. And so they are genuflecting to this small minority, no matter what the majority happens to think. It's up to the majority to decide how they're going to respond to that. All right, this is from the Daily Wire. This is a story that I have steadfastly ignored on this show, but now that it has reached its conclusion, I will acknowledge it at least. Uh, The Daily Wire reports, the jury on Wednesday found that actor Johnny Depp was defamed by ex-wife Amber Heard and awarded him a total of $15 million in damages. Uh, The jury also awarded Heard $2 million in monetary damages for her defamation claim. Depp sued Heard for $50 million over an op-ed she penned about domestic violence at the Washington Post in 2018. The Aquaman actress then countersued for $100 million, and um, the jury came back, and they gave this little, really just kind of a symbolic gesture to Amber Heard with the $2 million. But um, at the end of the day, they were vindicating Johnny Depp and saying that this was defamation. By the way, it is, um, it is very, very difficult to win a defamation case. Okay, I don't, I don't pretend to be a lawyer, but what I can tell you is that it's a very difficult thing to win because the burden of the 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 number of elements that you have to prove creates this burden that, for in most cases, is insurmountable. You got to prove a lot of things. But the first thing you have to prove, obviously, is that what was said about you isn't true. Because if it's true, then it's not defamation. So you're already in the position of you have to prove a negative. You have to prove that you didn't do something. And then you also have to prove that this was said, you know, intentionally, maliciously. You have to prove that it caused you actual harm and, and that there's some kind of a financial harm as well attached to that. So a lot of things you have to prove. The fact that uh, the jury came back this way is, is quite an indictment. Um, and it does prove that Amber Heard was lying. Now, Amber Heard has uh, released a, a statement immediately after this. She says, the disappointment I feel today is beyond words. I'm heartbroken that the mountain of evidence still was not enough to stand up to the disproportionate power, influence, and sway of my ex-husband. I'm even more disappointed with what this verdict means for other women. It's a setback. It sets back the clock to a time when a woman who spoke up and spoke out could be publicly shamed and humiliated. It sets back the idea that violence against women is to be taken seriously. I believe Johnny's attorney succeeded in getting the jury to overlook the key issue of freedom of speech and ignore the evidence that was so conclusive that we won in the, in the UK. Well, freedom of speech has nothing to do with it because you do not have the freedom to defame people. Does this set back women? No, unless you're the kind of woman who was planning to make up malicious lies about a man to destroy his life, then yeah, this is a setback for you. So in other words, this is a, uh, this is a setback to the Me Too movement. Not just a setback, but it's the utter and total destruction of the Me Too movement, um, which was already probably on its last legs. And now it's just, it's over. That's, this is the end. Uh, this is the ignominious end of the of the uh, of the Me Too movement. You know, obviously this this slogan of "Believe All Women" was absurd from the beginning, because of course you're not going to believe you believe someone based on the claim that they're making and whether you find it to be credible. Because that's that's the first problem with "Believe All Women." The second problem is that you can't really choose. So you can't have this principle of, oh, I'm going to believe all of these sorts of people no matter what they say. That's not how belief works. You can't make yourself believe something that you don't. If you want me to believe something, you have to convince me. And then, of course, your your belief should not be uh, dependent on the demographic of the person making the claim. And then, as well, 
everybody who said believe all women, none of them actually believed it. And what they always meant was believe certain women uh, with, uh, who, have, who hold certain ideological views, who make certain kinds of claims in certain situations, believe them. But I think the other thing we take away from this is that um, what we have to remember is Amber Heard is a, is a leftist. Johnny Depp, I think, probably is too. I think for certain he is. But Amber Heard is. And, you know, leftism gives people the license to lie. And so that's something that's been wrapped up in the Me Too movement, in uh, the Believe All Women stuff. Because why are you supposed to believe all women? Because the, the idea is that if a, if a woman, again, certain women, it's all, it's all ideologically dependent. But if she says something, then that's her truth. It's how she feels. And so it is your responsibility to believe it. This is the leftist claim. And it gives you a license to lie. Because it's not a lie. Actually, under leftism, it's impossible to lie because whatever you say, that's just your truth. That's how you felt. So as far as Amber Heard was concerned, yeah, was she actually physically abused by Johnny Depp? No. But she feels like she was. It would be convenient for her now if she was. And so she was. That's, uh, that's the way it works. All right, let's move to this. Speaking of, uh, of lies and the lies in this case that parents tell their children. So Libs of TikTok had this video that went viral yesterday. Um, and something that, you know, as, as What Is Woman comes out, this is just more evidence as to why the film What Is Woman is needed. Here is um, two parents talking about how their two-year-old chose, I believe, her gender. This is a girl who now, quote, identifies as a boy. And what was the process by which this two-year-old came to this gender realization? Let's listen. Are you ready? On the 6th of March, we welcomed our beautiful twins into the world. A boy called Arlo and a girl called Emerald. The first one they said was, this is a girl. I can't even remember your face just like lighting up like, oh, this mm-hmm. is amazing. And then the next one is on, this is a boy. It was like, jackpot, you know, one of each. This is the perfect combination here. Yeah, <laughs> look at daddy flipping. So now they're four years old and they identify as two boys. The first time that I realized Stormy wanted to identify as male was about roughly two and a half but it's not really he said I want to be a boy he said I am a boy and that is the difference my name is Stormy and I'm four years old I feel like a boy and I want to be a boy sometimes people call me girl do they how does that make you feel sad I can't remember the exact moment it switched over, but there was that point where I thought, you know what, this isn't just this isn't just a phase. This is not a little girl we're looking at here, it's a little boy. He started being unhappy with being dressed as a girl, so he started being unhappy with wearing dresses. Hair clips were a big no-no. Didn't like hair clips, didn't like the pigtails. He was genuinely upset at being dressed as a girl. Before I had children, and certainly before the last couple of years, this whole thing that I'm saying, I, I would have thought it was ridiculous. Honestly, I would. I would have, I would have watched me and said, no, you, you, you're crazy. You're making it up. You're abusing a child. We constantly say, are you a boy today? Or do you feel like you, you might? Because I don't want him to feel like he's took himself down a route that he can't turn back on. <laughs> uh, I mean, to, to begin, it's you don't even know where to begin with these people. Let, let, let me just say, first of all, the story that that guy tells, who is an abuser, and both of these people should be in prison. He he claims, oh, before I had uh, th- this child, I, I, w- I would have been, I would have seen this and said that that's abusive, and I was very skeptical. No, 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 you weren't. That's that's a lie, of course, because there's just no way. I mean, if your two-year-old, if you're taking your two-year-old seriously about this. It's because this is what you want. There's just no way that your two-year-old convinced you of something like this. And he also says that, well, we realized it's not just a phase. Really? From two? So this started when your daughter was two years old. Now she's four years old. And in between that time, you realize that it's not a phase? 
How could that possibly be the case? Phases for little kids can last, they can last five seconds, they can last a couple of years, depends. It's the whole, the notion of taking a two-year-old seriously about anything. My daughter's two years old. She, um, and this is true, she constantly, like every day, she, she tells, and she tells the, the, this story, especially around the, the dinner table, um, she'll kind of, my two-year-old daughter will dominate the dinner table conversation every night now because she tells, she has these, these fantastical stories she tells us about all the monkeys that are in her room. And she's, she's, we went to the, I think it was, we went to the, the Rainforest Cafe, which is always a mistake. We went there a few, few months ago and they've got the animatronic monkeys flying around. And ever since then, she's had this, she's been latched onto that, this idea of like monkeys being around and in her room and so anyway, that's the story that she tells every day. And sometimes the mon- monkeys are doing different things. And sometimes they're, most of the time they're in her room. Sometimes they like, they crawl into the crib with her. Sometimes it's like different, different versions of the story. And is it, so what is, what is my two-year-old daughter doing when she tells the story about the, about the monkeys? Is she, is she lying? Is she trying to deceive us? No. Um, is she using her imagination? Yes. But does she see it that way? No, because for her, as I'm constantly hammering on this point, at the age of two, there, there is no conscious distinction between fantasy and reality. They don't see the distinction. So as far as she's concerned, yeah, there are monkeys in her room. Does that mean that she's hallucinating? I guess not. I mean, you can't, it's hard to get inside the mind of a two-year-old to know exactly how it works. None of a, few, of a, few, of a, few of us can remember what it was like for us when we were two. But what we do know for sure is that they just do not have a grasp on reality, which is why you can't take this seriously, obviously. But these parents know that. Now, I'm sitting here arguing against it, trying to explain why, oh, no, she's, she's two. This is what a two-year-old does. Well, they know that. But this is what they wanted of their child. I mean, notice how they say, and I, I, it's hard for me to believe they even cut the video together like this, but um, the father says, well, or maybe it was the mother, she didn't say, I, I want to be a boy. She said, I am a boy. And then in the very next scene, what do we hear from the child? I want to be a boy. This is a a sane society takes those people and puts them in prison. This is is abuse on every level. It's, It's every brand of abuse, right? It's psychological abuse, emotional abuse, spiritual abuse. It's physical abuse and it is sexual abuse. It is all of those things wrapped into one. And it's all of those things kind of on the, on the deepest level where you are violating a child's sense of identity, of who they are. You're, you're taking that away from them permanently, potentially. Oh, but we, we give her a choice. Every day we ask, are you a boy today? So she can make a decision. It's really up to her. Well, no, because you are the one assigning her this like version, this twisted, fantastical version of reality where your identity is not fixed and it's fluid and it changes by the day. So you're, you're giving her that to her. That's the curse that you're giving to her. Um, all right, let's go here. This is an interesting story from Fox News. It says a former... Uh, Virginia Tech football player was acquitted of murder charges Friday in the deadly beating of a man accused of pretending to be a woman during a sexual encounter after the two matched on Tinder. A jury in Montgomery County Circuit Court found 19-year-old Isa Memon Itute, I'm sure I'm getting that wrong, not guilty of a charge of second-degree murder and the 2021 death of Jerry Smith, uh, Jerry Smith 40 of Blacksburg. So he's a, this is a 40-year-old man, Jerry Smith, who was killed by the 19-year-old man. Jury deliberated for three hours. Um, prosecutors had earlier told the jury that Itut, then 18, became enraged and fatally beat Smith when he discovered Smith was a man. Smith, who identified as a gay man, presented himself in a profile in the online dating app Tinder as a 21-year-old emergency room physician named Angie Renee. Smith performed oral sex on Itut, who later returned to the apartment to find out if his date was a man or a woman. Um, in taking the stand early in the week, Itut had testified that he felt violated and then it, came, it turned out that the man, the older man, Smith, had a, had a, had a knife under his mattress. And so this was like, um, 
The defense attorneys argued that Atut had acted in self-defense, whereas Smith had been controlling the entire environment in the entire episode and demanded that it be in the dark and had a knife hidden under his mattress in case there was, there was something awry. Now, maybe not surprisingly, um, LGBT news outlets like The Advocate and Pink News are not happy about this. I mean, they are not happy that uh, this guy isn't going to jail. They call this the, a, quote, gay panic defense. But no, what this actually is, is, um, this is this is rape. So this man was raped. When you trick somebody into a sexual encounter with you, uh, especially when you have a knife on standby, but even if you don't, that is, that is rape. And they're entitled to self-defense, which is apparently what the jury decided there. Um, now, the jury came to this conclusion. I, I haven't followed the case at all. And this, this is the first I'm hearing about it. So I'm going to assume they looked at all of this. I, just on the surface, there is some skepticism that you, that you might have. Like, how could you not know that a 40-year-old man is not a 20-year-old woman? How could you possibly have fooled, been fooled by that? But that's what the jury decided. And assuming that he was, then this was rape and self-defense. Pretty clear cut. Okay, so we have um, one more thing here. This is a, another story that you're just going to have to sit and listen to, damn it, whether you like it or not. It says, a star in deep space, this is from Daily Wire. A star in deep space from a neutron star graveyard is emitting a strange pulse that is intriguing scientists who didn't expect to detect any radio emissions at all from that area. Roughly 1,300 light years from Earth in the Vela X1 region of the Milky Way, PSR J0941-4046 emitted a pulse that lasted about 300 milliseconds and repeated every 76 seconds. But most neutron star pulses cycle through every few seconds or less. So it's a very weird thing they're trying to figure out. University of Sydney lecturer Manisha Caleb says this wasn't like anything we'd seen before. We might have found a completely new class of radio-emitting object. Our observation showed PSR J0941-4046 had some of the characteristics of a pulsar, even a magnetar, um, but they're still not exactly sure what the object is. So this is fascinating. Okay, First of all, Think about the distances involved here. I mean, we're, we are detecting activity from 1,300 light years away, which is like, that's a hop, skip, and a jump in galactic terms, but in mileage. I mean, a light year is about 6 trillion miles, right? So this is, we're talking about 6,000 6, trillion miles, which I believe would be 6 quadrillion miles. The distances are vast. Space is, is big, okay? It's very, it's big, and, that's, and that should fascinate you. And uh, think, about, think about the time of involved here. Okay, think of, a pulsar is a neutron star, which which is is a star that has has died and collapsed in on itself, uh, much like Western civilization has here. But that means that this star lived for billions of years and died, and there's there's a whole story there that we'll never know. Potentially, millions of civilizations lived and died in this solar system, all those trillions of miles away. So there's a there's a story there that's just sad and beautiful and immense and mysterious. So do you understand? why this should interest you. And then one day our sun will die and become a red giant and Mercury and Venus will be uh, totally consumed in its fire and our planet will be scorched to ash and all life will die and be extinguished on this planet and other civilizations and other solar systems will watch this happen, but they'll see it only as a light in the sky, never knowing the epic tale that was told and that ended and that was forgotten in the dark vastness of space. So just like get into this stuff, guys. Okay. If you're a business owner, you know better than anybody that it is absolutely crucial to have an effective marketing strategy. And here's the good news. I have something to help you with that. Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a digital marketing platform that helps small businesses and nonprofits of all sizes build, grow, and succeed with email marketing, contact management, industry-leading list growth tools, social media ads, and more. Constant Contact helps small businesses connect with customers find new ones, and sell online. All this from one easy-to-use platform. They've been trusted by millions of businesses to help improve their marketing. With a 97% deliverability rate, you can rest assured that your customers and potential customers are getting the right message at the right time. With a simple interface, Constant Contact's easy-to-use platform makes contact management easier than ever. Their list growth tools help you find a bigger audience fast. And with thousands of integrations, you can sync Constant Contact's tools with the tools you're already using. So it's very easy Powerful automation tools help you send the right message to the right person at the right time, every time. So to start your free digital marketing trial today, 
visit constantcontact.com. Let's get to the comment section. If you're a man, it's required that you grow a beard. Hey, we're the sweet baby gang. Cybercop says, today was one of the biggest, or rather the best episodes yet. Can't wait for What is a Woman? I hope the media gets triggered by it. Um, so more people have a chance to wake up. Yes, there's quite a lot of uh, a lot of triggering going on. We, that 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 we can be quite sure of. Um, another comment says, Matt, a few years ago, I was very left wing and self identified feminist. The thing that started to push me away from the left was trans ideology and seeing what was happening to women that the mainstream so called feminists were defending. The feminists who actually cared enough about women to speak out were abused, slandered, fired, etc. The final straw for me was learning about violent men being put in women's prisons where these women who so often have a history of trauma literally cannot escape. I've moved pretty far away from my old ideology over the past few years. I no longer seek out a clean, just-so ideology to follow. I'm a lot more comfortable making up my own mind about individual stories. But one thing that stood out to me through, through all this is that so many people who actually respect women and care about them as human beings are actually conservative. I never would have believed this several years ago. The left makes you believe that virtually all men and certainly all conservatives hate women and um, think of them as less than men. Well, first of all, congratulations on on uh, being someone willing to use your, your brain and be skeptical and at least entertain the possibility that you, you might be wrong about even some of your most deeply held fundamental, fundamental beliefs. Most people aren't willing to even entertain that possibility. And that's why there can't be any kind of conversation. There can't be anything that approaches an actual debate um, because of that. But of course, you're also right that um, as conservatives are slandered as being the woman haters, it, it couldn't be more absurd or more, or more sort of the opposite of the truth. As conservatives, what are we trying to conserve? Well, that, that is a, a question that I think we need, we need to do a better job amongst ourselves of answering, but I have an answer for it. Um, the first thing we want to conserve is just the truth, the fundamental truth of reality, both physical scientific truths, which are under attack, and moral truths as well. Uh, we're trying to conserve the family and, and human dignity is another, another big thing we want to conserve as conservatives. So this is a this is a belief system that is rooted in a in an understanding of and respect for the dignity of the human person. Whereas the left just does not see it that way. They don't think that human beings are in, that have you know have intrinsic value or inherent dignity. They can't believe that because if you believe that, then you couldn't support killing sixty million unborn babies and throwing them in dumpsters. Um, so it's no surprise that we're the ones who respect women because we respect people, humanity, right? Um, Kathy with a C says, I LOL'd as Matt was asking those questions of the tribesmen. How did he manage to keep a straight face? You know, that was one of the uh, tougher interactions because e- even me, you know, I'm, I'm usually pretty stone cold when it comes to these things, but even even I had moments where I where I wanted to laugh, if you can believe. But then also... There was a little bit of a, of a pride thing where I knew when they were laughing, right? They were actually laughing at me. I mean, they were laughing at the insanity of Western culture and what it's become, the tragic insanity of it. They're laughing at that, but they're also laughing really personally at me because they, they thought that I was a proponent of these ideas or they thought at a minimum that I was actually confused about these things. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to pull them to the side and say, hey, I don't really believe this stuff, just so you know. I'm not one of those guys, okay? I'm, I'm just asking the questions. But then if you tell them that, then you lose a lot of the authenticity in the interaction. So I didn't want to tell them that. So they just assumed that I was an absolute maniac personally. And they still think that now. And that's, that's okay. It was all worth it for the film, which you can go to whatisawoman.com to uh, watch right now. Uh, I'm sure you've probably noticed because uh, it's impossible to not notice. This is one of those things that really just affects everybody is that gas prices are ridiculously high right now. And uh, you may feel like it's a little bit suffocating at times. Every time you're at the pump, you're looking for a way out. Well, um, here's one. There's an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about, and that is called Upside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code Walsh for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up. Get cash back as well. 
You may feel like there's no upside anymore when you're pumping gas, but here is, this is it. It's the Upside app. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code Walsh for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. And it's not just for gas. You can earn cash back at grocery stores, restaurants, and with your takeout also. You can cash out anytime to your bank account or an e-gift card for select retailers and brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code Walsh to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. Just use my, my promo code Walsh now. That's code Walsh. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Today for our daily cancellation, after uh, tackling some tough subjects on the show, there's nothing wrong with taking a layup here. Um, This is an easy one, though still worthy of the segment. Here is a TikTok user who goes by the handle LittleTransPunk explaining how your sexual attraction is supposed to work. TransPunk will tell you who you are supposed to be attracted to. So this is his decision, after all. He's TransPunk. He's the authority. Listen to TransPunk. All right, I will assume that you asked this question in the way that you really want to learn. So I will explain all the ways that it is okay. Let's say that you're attracted to women. Well, if you're attracted to women, then you're attracted to cis women, trans women without bottom surgery, and trans women with bottom surgery. If you're attracted to um, BJ, then you could be attracted to a cis woman, a trans man without bottom surgery, a trans woman with bottom surgery, or a non-binary person, which depending on their assigned gender at birth, having or not having had the surgery. But it is that exclusion that makes it transphobic. So if you say that you like women and you like BJ, then that would mean that you're attracted to cis women and trans women who have had, who have had bottom surgery. It is just that exclusion that makes it transphobic. You can have a genital preference, but to exclude trans people is transphobic. Ah, so uh, you see, uh, you know, all that stuff about how it's none of your business, what people do in the bedroom, sexual orientation isn't a choice, anyone can love whoever they want, etc. All of that was nonsense, of course. Well, qualified nonsense, at least. It's none of your business what people do in the bedroom, but it is the business of trans punk and his friends. You can't tell people who to love, but trans activists can. They can do all sorts of things that you cannot do because they're special, or so they think. So a few points to make here. First of all, of course, um, needless to say, uh, what is a woman? Transpunk says that if we're attracted to women, we must also be attracted to women with penises. But, okay, what does he think a woman is? He would probably say, as they all do, that a woman is anybody who identifies as a woman. And that's a circular and logically invalid definition. But it also raises questions about sexual attraction. So when somebody says they're attracted to women, he thinks that What they're attracted to is the woman's self-perception? No, attraction is defined the other way. If you're attracted to somebody, you're attracted based on your perception of them, not their perception of themselves, obviously. Also, you notice how the people who lecture you for not being attracted to them seem to go out of their way to be unattractive. They make themselves ugly and then blame you for not finding them beautiful. They pierce their faces, cake on the clown makeup, and do everything in their power to look as ridiculous as possible. And they scream in your face, be attracted to me, you bigot. It's all a game. You know, their ugliness becomes a test of your wokeness. They make themselves into a sort of left-wing hazing ritual. They paint their hair green. They wear their bizarre war paint. And then they tell you that you must sleep with them in order to be initiated into the cult. Because if you don't, then you're transphobic. Which is why perhaps a good response to this sort of thing is to simply say, well, okay, then I guess I'm transphobic. You're admitting that you're transphobic? You confess to the charge? Sure. Whatever. Fine. I mean, I don't care. The labels you use mean nothing to me. I'm not going to cower and tremble and, and desperately try to prove my innocence to you. I don't care if you think I'm guilty of whatever category of crime you just made up. I don't care how you see me. Okay? You you have no power here. You can't manipulate me. You can't make me dance to this tune you're playing. Call me what you want. It doesn't matter. See, in reality, the term transphobia means nothing. It's a nonsense term by design, empty of meaning. So that they can go and they can give it whatever meaning they want in whatever situation. And now this person says that transphobia means not being attracted to him. Well, 
you made up the term, so I guess you can make up the definition. And if that's the definition, not being attracted to you, then sure, that's me. Guilty as charged. So now we can, now that we've established that, you're transphobic. Okay. Sure, whatever. So, okay. That, that's done. We can either move on and the conversation can progress, or you can sit there babbling the word transphobia over and over again while you curl into the fetal position and rock yourself back and forth. It's up to you. The main point here is that just as we discussed at the top of the show, they only have the power that we give them. Free yourself from the fear of being labeled. Labeled. Free yourself from any desire to be accepted by the woke crowd. Just let that go, and they will be totally disarmed. They will be reduced to sound and fury, signifying nothing. Just as you can see in my film, What is a Woman, available now at whatisawoman.com. And that is all why our friend Transpunk is today canceled. And we'll leave it there for today. Uh, That'll do it for us. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, production manager Pavel Vodowski. Our associate producer is McKenna Waters. The show is edited by Robbie Dantzler. Our audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. And hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on The Ben Shapiro Show, Amber Heard is found to be a liar and a slanderer. And The Washington Post doesn't have clean hands either. The Star Wars universe unites against the phantom menace of widespread racism. And the American military celebrates Pride Month. That's today on The Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Listen. 